This is the Poo Shift Podcast, a broad look at the hospitality industry. Welcome Poo Shifters, and this is another episode of the Post Shift Podcast with your host, Sean Sewell. Obviously, that's me. Um, this week, I get to sit down with uh, Josh Lindley, who is a uh, old friend of mine. We met a few years ago at uh, Little Jumbo, and uh, we've stayed in contact. Last year, I was at the inaugural Toronto Cocktail Conference, uh, speaking. I did two seminars last year. This year, I am the official podcaster for the Toronto Cocktail Conference, so I'm super excited about that. Um Really looking forward to it. Uh, this is two and a half weeks away now, um, so I'm going to go to Toronto College Conference before I go off to Singapore. I'm going to be doing tons of interviews, tons of streaming. Uh, keep an eye out for it. I'm really looking forward to it. There's some really epic gangster people coming to um, the Toronto Cocktail Conference this year, so really looking forward to it. And you're going to talk about the original OG, which is uh, Josh and Jess, who are from Bartender Atlas, who have teamed up with uh, Gordon John from... Uh, the Drake, and they created this epic, wicked, amazing uh, conference in Toronto, which is sort of the hub on the East Coast for Canada. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a great show. If you haven't got your tickets, go to the Toronto Cocktail Conference uh, website and pick up your tickets. Um, and if you're a bartender out there listening, hit up Bartender Atlas and submit a photo and uh, the questionnaire so that uh, you can be showcased. So whenever you go to a different city, you know who to go see. So Hope you enjoyed the episode, guys. I really appreciate it, and uh, have a good week. Bye. So, but uh, what time is it there right now? Uh, 8 p.m. You guys are really getting into the crunch now. Yeah, it's uh, it's coming up for sure. Uh, what do we got? We got two, like just less than three weeks. Three, three weeks as of today. So until Toronto get, Cocktail Conference, yeah. We're gonna post this on Friday, so it'll be two like yeah, two and a bit weeks just before yeah. Toronto Cocktail Conference. Mm-hmm. And you guys have got a stellar lineup this year. Uh, yeah, we. Uh, I. I'm really happy with everyone that we have coming this year for sure. Uh, yeah. Not that I was unhappy with anybody anyway, but uh, <laughs> the idea, the idea that we we open it up and sort of accept uh, submissions for seminars, um, uh-huh. really, that's really important to us when we're organizing the conference because we want to make sure that what we're talking about and what people are talking about and what our attendees are hearing about. Are things that are concerns of, you know, working bartenders or managers or, you know, people who are particularly passionate about one part of the industry, just um, making sure that it's definitely like people driven as opposed to, um, you know, business driven or, you know, anyone doing these presentations isn't doing them because they feel like it's work so much, but doing them because they feel that they have something they want to share. Yeah, it's fair. That's fair. Uh-huh. And I think, and I think uh, you guys led lent more into that this year than you did probably last year. But it's just, yeah, it's last just year, the evolution of everything. Yeah, for sure. The other thing is last year, I mean, it was the first year we were doing it. We wanted to, uh, you know, maybe uh, stack the bill a little more, make sure mm-hmm. there were people that, that we were familiar with or that we'd worked with before and knew could uh, provide really, like, high-quality content. I mean, you, you did two different seminars last year. We trusted you. Um, so so uh, it was it was nice this year to open it up a little more and see who's interested. And, and we did sort of tap some people on the shoulder and ask if they might be interested, but that didn't necessarily mean that they submitted anything or that we, uh, after our the, the worst day of organizing Toronto Cocktail Conference, is going through seminar submissions and deciding – what we're going to talk about and what sort of seminars we're going to provide. Um, it's a process and it takes a lot of coffee. <laughs> and, and what do you, and what do you think as an industry right now, 
uh, what do you think right now is the 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 benchmark conversation pieces that you you as a conference are trying to chase? Well, a big thing that we definitely are are leaning really hard on with the Toronto Cocktail Conference is maintaining open lines of communication between all uh, facets of the industry and making sure that um, if if you're a bar owner and you have five different establishments and you train your staff in a certain way, we want to make sure that you can convey the way you do things to the 22-year-old that's just getting out of university and has decided that maybe what they went to school for is not for them and they're going to work mm-hmm. in this industry instead. And really just making sure that the community aspect and everyone everyone that shows up feels like they're welcome and everyone that shows up feels like they can approach whoever is there. Um, and really that that's what we're trying to get across is that everyone has their own specialties and we want to make sure that everyone has access to everyone's specialties. Mm-hmm. And uh, what are the future uh, seminars? I know that you've got Camper coming in, but I know um, – just from my personal experience with tales and, and that sort of thing, sustainability, inclusiveness uh, are all hot topics right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you guys have really doubled down on those for this, um, this, this year's seminars. Well, definitely. I mean, you know, Ashton Berry came last year. Um, I met Ashton first like five years ago now. I think we were both at Camp Runamuck at the same time. And even, even then, and that was when she – was uh, focusing more on managing bars and, and making cocktails. And even then, I knew something special was going on with her. And, of course, this year, uh, her and Paul from Imbibe are presenting a seminar together, which is, I mean, if you had told me that the editor of Imbibe magazine was going to be speaking at a conference I was helping organize, I, this is, yeah. Um, it's something I think is amazing. Um, yeah, we definitely are working on a couple sustainability things. More than that, I think this year we focused a lot on our practical aspects for seminars. We have mm-hmm. a couple people talking about um, how to streamline your back bar, how to streamline your drink making. You know, uh, Ian Griffiths is doing a seminar about building rounds and the most effective way to do it. And then we have Tess Ann Sawyer, who uh, won Speed Rack Canada the first or second year that it happened, and she was in New York and routinely was involved in speed rack there too so we have her talking about how to pump out drinks in a high volume establishment in a high volume environment uh really trying to help people uh, expand on how they're making drinks and and doing a lot more practical stuff this year um as well as you know trying to keep some of the high-minded stuff in mind too you got you got camper english talking about he's been a champion right now for his his work people yeah his work on cocktail safe is just the dedication that that guy has when he takes on a project is just inspiring as hell. Um, I even, I bought his book a few years ago, the the gin and tonic book. Mm-hmm. Like who writes a book about one drink? Uh, yeah. it's, it's amazing. And just, and just a classic and, highball. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not it's like doing a whiskey soda book or a vodka tonic book. Yeah. And you, or vodka like you soda, would never, sorry. Yeah. It, it's like no one would ever do that except yeah. for camper because he is that dedicated and, so well researched in everything, and so we're really happy that we we thought that uh, with the launch of CocktailSafe.org, it would be a great thing to have him come and launch this. Um, another seminar that I'm really excited about, um, our friend Sam Jimenez, he's uh, based out of Oakland. He owns a bar there called The Blind Tiger, I think. Uh, he maybe uh, owns other places as well, but what he's talking about specifically is responsible tiki. Sam is of Polynesian and Mexican descent. 
Yep. And so he has a very specific take on how Tiki is viewed and what it's used for and who sells it and why it's being sold a certain way. So having Sam come and do that talk, I'm really I'm, excited I'm about looking, to hear I'm how look, that goes. I'm actually looking forward to that one a lot. Mm-hmm. I saw I saw that one. I was like, I really need to see that one. But uh, the funny thing is, is like while I was even in Singapore, I went to a bar and I had a, a drink, which they made their own uh, Kikona vermouth. Mm-hmm. And uh, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning with heart palpitations. Oh wow! So I woke up in the morning with heart palpitations, just like that couldn't have been it. And uh, yeah, it was obviously that they have over overdosed me on uh, tonic, basically. And oh, um, yeah, so I woke up at like three, four o'clock in the morning with like heart palpitations, and I like laid in bed trying to calm myself down. That's so, scary, man. Oh, it is. Yeah, especially when you're in a completely different country by yourself. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it's funny because I, the everything that you just talked about with like being safer with ingredients and what Ian and uh, Tessa are talking about. Um, the thing is, is that I think as an industry, uh, Zed said it perfectly the other day when I was talking to him. He said that there's a sort of vacuum that happens in this gap of age groups. So there's people our age, and then there's really young, and then in the middle mm-hmm. there's a spattering of people that have got that 10, 15 year old experience, 10, 15 years worth of experience, but they've gone off to be brand ambassadors or um, something like that. So it creates this vacuum where the, really the root of knowledge for most young bartenders these days is YouTube videos and the whichever website gets the very first hit when it says how to make your own tonic water. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I really am looking forward to this year's uh, conference. But in, in speaking of this, you sort of missed the big chunks you've talked about the conference. How about you introduce yourself? I'm going to obviously so, so, introduce yourself in my intro. But, yeah, uh, okay. How about yeah, you that's, introduce <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, okay, yeah, a couple minutes in, that's fine. Yeah. Um, so my name, uh, yeah, I'm Josh Lindley. I uh, have been bartending since about 2007. Um, I started barbacking at the Drake Hotel in 2005. Uh, I was pretty long in the tooth to become a barback. I was 25 before I got into the industry. Um, before that, I had many jobs. The the notable ones were that I was a, an on-air uh, radio uh, announcer <laughs> when I was oh, you have the, you, have the, you have the voice for it. Yeah, whiskey and my parents gave that to me. Um, <laughs> so I was I was on 102.1 The Edge here in Toronto. It's an alt-rock radio station when I was 21. Uh, I left there to go work on a record label and tour with bands for a while. Uh, After that, I, you know, touring with bands in Canada is a lot of fun and you get a lot of great stories out of it, but it's also a really good way to go broke. Um, And I I had a friend who was barbacking at the Drake Hotel at the time. They'd been open maybe six months at this point. And uh, this friend of mine decided he didn't want to barback anymore. He wanted to be a server and whoever his manager was at the time told him that he needed to find a replacement. So he found me. Uh, and it feels pretty great. The first night after barbacking, you know, running up and down stairs, carrying buckets of ice and, you know, cases of beer up and down three or four flights of stairs at the great hotel, you leave with $60 in your pocket. And that's just because everyone knows you worked really hard. And I yeah. was never happier to get $60 so I could buy groceries. Um, so yeah, so since, uh, so I worked at the Drake hotel for about five years. Uh, I left there, worked in some divey spots for a minute, and then I ran the uh, cocktail program at a recently closed restaurant called Campagnolo here in Toronto. Um, We were on the en route list and all that stuff, so 
uh, did very well. Since basically since leaving the Drake Hotel, I've done very well in the 50 to 70 seat restaurant uh, scene here in Toronto, with really the upscale casual capital of the world. Um, <laughs> so uh, I was at Campagnolo for a long time, and then. Uh, I worked at Bar Isabel when it had first opened as well. I, I wasn't really on the opening team, but once the place got open, I kind of got a call from uh, Mike Webster, old friend of mine who was bar managing there, saying that uh, he could really use an extra set of hands, which uh, anyone that went to Bar Isabel in the first two years it was open would attest that it was a madhouse. I mean, it still is insanely busy there, but yeah, it was a madhouse for the first two years. Uh, and then I worked as the brand ambassador for Hendrix Gin for Canada for uh, almost a year, um, uh, which was, again, like you were just saying, you know, you get, uh, you get eight, ten years into making drinks and someone oh. offers you a brand job. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's a reasonable leap to make. Uh, and it was amazing. The stuff that I learned working for Hendrix Gin was awesome. The people that I met, it's amazing. It really uh, I keep joking that as a bartender of eight or nine years, you're like, yeah, I know what a brand ambassador does. And then you take that job and all of a sudden you're like, I know about 20% of what a brand ambassador does. Yeah. Uh, and and you learn pretty quickly everything that's going on. Uh, so, yeah, after about a year of working as a brand ambassador, just under a year, I left that job. And then I went and, uh, I went and worked at the Harvard Room uh, for the last uh, eight or nine months that it was open. And that's uh, the very Coles Notes version of my resume. I'm currently working, <laughs> currently working at a spot called Chanticleer in Toronto, a little 30-seat French-inspired bistro-style restaurant, really well thought out wine list, a lot of organic and biodynamic and natural wines there. It opened in 2012, and the owner, Jacob, has just been kind of ahead of the game on, on a lot of things. Um, so, yeah, working there now a few nights a week still. Then I run Bartender Atlas with my wife and partner and everything, Jessica Blaine-Smith. Uh, so her and I make up half of the team that organizes the Toronto Cocktail Conference. See, I circled around well. It's like I was trained how to speak and <laughs> it's how to perfect. tell stories, right? So Bartender Atlas is a passion project for you. Like, what, is, what inspired you and Jess to start, like, Bartender Atlas? Yeah, so uh, after working with Hendrix Gin, like I was saying, you, you sort of get a, a deeper perspective on everything that goes into uh, making cocktails and how brands work and how bars work. And Jess and I both, Jess especially, has been bitten by the travel bug since she was very young. And so um, we travel a lot. And, of course, if we're going to cities we've never been to before, uh, given my passion specifically, we would – look up where, you know, top bars in Melbourne, top bars in Sydney, top bars in Mexico City, all this stuff, and the world's top 50 list that I've been reading for a million years and hearing stories about all these bars that you just absolutely need to go visit. Uh, and then we started realizing the real difference between the best bar and the worst bar is who's behind the bar. And there's tons of websites and lists and books about the best bar and the best cocktail and the best city to drink in, but there wasn't really anyone chronicling the people who were behind a bar for eight or 12 hours a night um, and really, really paying attention to the people that are making these experiences. Um, and so we would have experiences like the, there's a story that's on our website. If you go to bartenderatlas.com and like click the about, you see this pair these eight paragraphs that I wrote about when we went to Eau in Sydney, which has routinely been on all those best of lists. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, in the last few years, we've met a few people who were working the night that this happened. But Jess and I went in there. We're having a cocktail. The people behind the bar are just blowing my mind. You know, these women are throwing 
liquid nitrogen around and you know the the bartender would start building a drink set it up start stirring turn their back and the server would come over finish stirring uh you know garnish the drink and run it out to a table and this was all happening in like 43 seconds i one of those moments where as a bartender you're watching someone work and you think wow i suck <laughs> like, like i need to get so much better at this job and we're watching this happen and talking with the bartender a little bit and they're like, oh, you're in from Toronto. What are you doing tomorrow? And we said whatever the lame plans were that we were doing the next day. I can't remember what it was, but it was something kind of cheesy and touristy, whatever. And the bartender says, listen, you're not doing that. Here's the thing. And she pulls out a piece of receipt paper and writes down, you're getting on this bus. You're going to this beach. You're going to walk along the boardwalk from uh, Bondi to Kuji. It'll take you about two hours. You're going to do the walk. And when you finish the walk, you're going to go to this place and you're going to eat lunch there and kind of tells us what to do the next day. And it was the best thing we did on that whole trip. Wow. Um, and and really from that point on, it really made the difference. And it's like, yeah, sure. So the bartenders at O to V are unbelievable drink makers, but beyond that, they actually care about the guests and want their guests to have the best time possible. And through starting Bartender Atlas, we really want those people to be featured on the website so that when people know, you know, general travelers, not just industry folk, Although obviously, you know, that's the that's the biggest part of our demographic right now. But ideally, we want it to be more of a travel website than anything else. Mm -hmm. So that if, you know, someone is going to whatever, uh, you know, IBM conference in Des Moines, Iowa, and they want to go get a good cocktail <laughs> from someone that's interested in cocktails or Star Wars or antique furniture, they can go sit at someone's bar in any city yeah. in the world and know that they're getting served by someone who cares. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. That's, 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 a, that's a wicked elevator pitch for anybody who, who's listening and, and wants to learn why Bartender Atlas needs to be get more traffic. Um, that's that's what we're trying for, yeah. So uh, so that led, led to being the half of the team that started up Toronto Cocktail Conference. And who's yeah. the other half of the team? So the other half of the team is Gord Hanna, who back in 2005 when I started working at the Drake Hotel, I was Gord's bar back. Um, and he is still at the Drake Hotel. His title is now something I can't remember the name of, but basically uh, he's in charge of what drinks are being made at all of the Drake Hotel's properties, of which there's six or seven at this point. Hmm. Um, so he, he kind of goes around and works with all the young bartenders that are coming to work at any Drake property. Um, again, very much focused on making sure that the bartenders behind the bar are equipped to work in those establishments and make sure that the guest always has the best uh, the best time. And then the other gentleman also works for the Drake Hotel. His name is John Humphreys. He is, again, has a title. He's more or less Gord's bar manager. Um, <laughs> and so the four of us decided a few years ago that uh, between the Drake Hotel also is just like such a good um, establishment here in Toronto and has done so many great things community-wise. There's so many bartenders in Toronto that have worked at the Drake at some point that are now brand ambassadors or own their own bar or have written books. Um, one specific bar manager that I used to have is now in charge of food and beverage for Cineplex Odeon Canada. Uh, mm. And this is and this is all stuff that comes from the attitude of working at the Drake Hotel. Uh, so yeah, Gordon, John, and Jess and I work diligently on Toronto Cocktail Conference for about nine and a half to ten months of the year. Um, and then the other two months, we're still texting each other about ideas anyway. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah. Wow. So how did it all come together? How did it uh, sort of like, did you just wake up one day and go, hey, I want to do a 
cocktail conference for Toronto because Toronto is a massive city. And for anybody in Canada, like it's either Vancouver or Toronto, maybe Montreal as a, as a, a close second to position. But Toronto is sort of like the, the melting pot of the, the East where it really makes sense for the cocktail bar and the cocktail culture that this is there for so long to have its own conference. So how did it sort of evolve from a spark into this full-on, full-fledged sort of event? Yeah, well, okay, so first of all, I want to say, as far as cities in Canada to get drinks, Halifax was on the come-up. Uh, really? We, big time. Jess, Jess and I organized a, a few games of events in Halifax earlier this year with help from the community out there, obviously. And, uh, man, there's amazing bars in Halifax. Um, uh, there's a, a pretty good Halifax contingent, I'm, I think, coming to Toronto Cocktail Conference this year. Uh, so anyway, uh, besides that, why did we decide to do the conference? So John, especially at the Drake, had been, um, you know, the Drake Hotel dedicates a lot of time and energy to hosting cocktail conferences um, when brand ambassadors are in town, when uh, different, you know, um, cocktail book authors are in town. The Drake is oftentimes the first place that gets offered up to host any of these events and it's it's a privilege that they that the Drake Hotel has what with the space and and so many different spaces in that building they can be open for regular business and have another event happen and it doesn't really get in the way or affect anything which isn't the case in a lot of places in Toronto because we're all you know like I was saying 50 to 70 seat restaurants and if you're trying to run an event and then flip into service it gets very hard so the Drake Hotel has been very good with that John's always been very supportive of, uh, of you know bartender education um, the folks from Lush Life who organize Camp Runamuck and Portland Cocktail Week, and they did uh, like a Bar Institute traveling tour for a while there too. Uh, they had organized a Toronto Bar Institute. This is 2017, I want to say. And uh, they, you know, um, they have run all these amazing events and they were just having a hard time uh, putting something together in Canada because it is very, it's such a different market, especially Ontario. Uh, it's very difficult to run events here if you're from somewhere outside of Ontario. So we were helping working with them, and then they had organized a bar institute uh, at the last minute. Uh, it turned out they, they had some troubles and couldn't really run the event. They asked Jess and I to sort of take it on. They had organized with the Drake, and so we sort of took on uh, Bar Institute Toronto. And then once that had happened, uh, a couple weeks later, Jess and John and Gord and I all sat down and thought, well, if we can take this event that was put together some by by this other team, why don't we organize one uh, for ourselves, like from Jump? If we go from day one all the way through, mm-hmm. how can we? How can we? Like, what things can we learn? What can we improve on? How can we actually make it happen over the course of three days? Um, and yeah, and so the the drive is definitely there. People in Toronto are very interested in everything. It's again, like I was saying, the turnout that we got last year was just outstanding between, like I was saying, you know, uh, people who have been maybe distilling somewhere close by or running their own restaurants and want to figure out new, better ways to train train their staff, and then also 22-year-olds who just want to learn more about cocktails and aren't really sure where to start. Um, and we, we try to cover all of that because uh, there is so much going on in Toronto, but it's a big city. You know, there's, there's times where I won't cross the median of the city for months at a time. Mm. Uh, but still find myself busy in places to go out, and always new places opening or a friend that has moved to a new bar and is trying something different at this new restaurant or whatever. So it's hard to get everywhere. So we're trying to create something central so that everyone can actually come and 
meet with each other and interact in a genuine way. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. And I think uh, so you, after you've been, been to Tales a couple of times and some other big, huge festivals, mm-hmm. sometimes it can be a lot of sensory overload and yeah. just just so much. And then, of course, like regardless of how much we talk about it, there is a, a certain level of drinking that's involved. And mm-hmm. you go tasting room after tasting room after tasting room. I love the fact that the the conference last year was sort of like block of seminars and then you go out and have lunch with a, a tasting tasting room or a couple of different floors of tasting and then that would shut down and you'd go off and do your seminars and then you'd go, go back and do it like mid-afternoon sort of thing. And yeah, I, I, I like the fact that it wasn't all brands and alcohol which came pushed down your throat at all times. Yeah, one thing that we, we definitely strive for. And I mean, there are seminars where it makes sense, but for the most part, a lot of times these seminars, you don't need a drink while you're talking about how to manage your staff, you know? Um, <laughs> However, if you're talking about craft distilling in Ontario, it's probably pretty handy to have an example or two or yeah. like the the history of rum on the East Coast and you want to taste like rums from different styles. I mean, sometimes it does definitely make sense. But for the most part, we don't want people getting drunk in our seminars. We want people there to learn in the seminars. And there's tons of tasting stations and activations from some of our sponsors that, uh, you know, keep it keep it kind of light and fun as well. So it's not all just you know, going to school. It's like on school, but at recess, you get a fantastic blue margarita, um, (laughs) which I would have gone to school way more often if that had been the case. Uh, The other thing is, yeah, like you were saying, we have it sort of structured that way so that no matter what, you're sort of seeing the same faces for those three days and really Mm -hmm. getting familiar with whoever else the other attendees are. Um, That was a big part of why we structured it that way. We want everyone to see everyone, you know? And I think I went Uh, out more, I went out more in Toronto during the conference than I think I've ever gone out in Toronto because it was sort of, you sort of sort of blocked it all off and then you'd go off and have dinner somewhere and have drinks another place and you'd come back for a late night event and you'd sort of always be sort of, not necessarily being pushed out, but like also sort of like forcing yourself to go out and look at different venues around the town. Um, instead yeah. of just being at one hotel or being at the Drake and sort of everything was going on there. So everybody was like, okay, well, let's go off and do this for two hours and we'll come back to that event. And yeah, sort of like, really everybody in Toronto got helped out. Yeah, all our seminar programming is done by 5 p.m. as well. So keeping yeah. in mind, there's people from Toronto that are going to have to work those three days. So we're done by 5. You still have the opportunity to see two or three seminars in a day before you can take yeah. off and go have to go to work. Um, this year, we like we have some late-night programming happening with the conference, but also just the idea of if you're in town, just you know take off. You've got the night yeah. off. There's no... You don't have to be at the Drake Hotel until midnight every night. I mean, yeah. there's no problem. If that's how you want to do your conference, I mean, it's the same with any conference, really. You yeah. can choose how you're going to do it. But, uh, but yeah, we, we really want people to explore Toronto as well. You know, when you're, when you're seeing those same faces everywhere and someone says, uh, you know, they're obviously got to take off of work that night, find out where they work. Go have dinner yeah. with them, you know? Um, yeah, that's something that we're working on, too. Also, uh, the mentoring sessions is something that Gord actually brought to the table when we were organizing it that all of us are just really excited about. It's um, much bigger this year too, isn't it? There's yeah, more, there's uh, more mentors, more slots. Mm-hmm. We've put a little, we've put a little more, a uh, little more dedicated time into it. Um, a lot of so the idea behind the mentoring sessions, and this came from an event that Jess and I did, where when Jim Mian's last book came out, we brought him up to Toronto, uh, sold tickets, and with the ticket, you got a, a, the book and a couple cocktails. 
and a chance to sit down for five or ten minutes with Jim Meehan while he signed your book, and you could ask him questions, he could ask you what you're up to, that kind of thing. And Gord was really inspired by that and thought about tying that into the conference. So we have all these speakers. Some are Toronto, some are from Vancouver, some are from New Orleans. We have uh, Lucas Grolio is coming up from Argentina. Um, oh, wow. And this is the, these are people that you get a chance if you sign up uh, ahead of time. You can find out what drives these people, these these you know industry uh, uh, lighthouses, as it were guiding the industry around and you can sit and ask them legitimate questions and they'll answer you legitimately. And we, of course we make sure that all the mentors say ahead of time, like we okay it by the speakers first. We don't just shove them into a room with some over eager kid because that yeah. would no, be no fun for anybody and no one gets anything out of that. But, uh, but yeah, and it's a, uh, it's a really cool program. I think it's a cool program. I know I would have appreciated it when I was coming up if I had 15 minutes to sit with someone and pick their brain. 110%. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what's uh, what, what's one thing you're looking forward to this year out of anything? I know it might be hard to pick, but what's the one thing that you're like, ooh, giddy like a schoolgirl about? Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, there's a few things going on. Um, I know <sighs> – wow. Okay. Uh, so there is a, a venue at the Drake that is uh, – it's a private room. They usually do just private parties in there. It's called Room 222. It's named after a room at the Chelsea Hotel where – several important albums and books have been written in the last, you know, hundred years. Mm -hmm. But um, in room 222, several brands have sort of booked it out. And I don't want to spoil any surprises about what those brands have decided they're doing, but it's a very interactive and hands-on thing so that not only are you sitting there learning all day by taking notes in a book, because I know everyone learns different ways, but uh, some of the things, some of the things that some of our sponsors, some of our brands have planned for this, uh, are really hands-on and interactive and, and you really get into the learning experience rather than just sitting and taking notes. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about that because I know like I, I never liked school when I was a kid yeah. and even, even years of going to tales or tales on tour or thirst in Boston or any other cocktail week. I know a lot of times when I sit down with a notebook in front of me, it's almost like a drilled into me response to just instantly be bored. Um, yeah. <laughs> even even if it's even if it's I've got nine rum samples in front of me from yeah. countries I'm never gonna visit, I still just sit there and I'm like, oh, I'm sitting taking notes and just like it's definitely like a formula that doesn't work as well for me, but I'm happy to provide it for other people. And so the more interactive and the more entertaining teachers are, the the more excited I get about it. Do you find uh, this year especially because uh, I know that in Canada the hard thing is game brand backing like it's a double-edged mm -hmm. sword like i find in the u.s new details and stuff it's just so much money so much branding so much everything but in canada that's always been very restricted um mm -hmm. it, we just don't have the budgets up here it's plain and simple um yeah do you find this year with the success of last year that brands have started coming on board a little bit more and like hit you up and gone really loved what you did last year we want to we want to sign up early for you yeah i think we're very fortunate the four of us uh have worked uh, like Canada, yeah, Canada is small, you know, despite the fact that it's the second biggest country on yeah. the planet or whatever we are right now. I don't know where borders are drawn in Russia yeah. anymore, uh, which is another separate podcast. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but Canada, despite being so geographically huge, we all know each other. Um, it's, you know, oh, hey, I got a friend from St. John's. Do you know Brendan? Yep, I know Brendan from St. John's. Uh, that, that happens. Anyway, um, having brands get involved is, it's, uh, like I, I don't, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's easier because we had these relationships with most 
uh, brands or most distributors in Canada leading into last year's as well. Yeah. Um, like uh, we've we've all worked together for a long time. Uh, the Drake Hotel has, like I was saying, they host so many things at the Drake Hotel that so many brand people are just ec- excited to work with us when we're doing things. I feel like with Bartender Atlas as well, we, I mean, of course everyone thinks they're doing a good job until you get fired, right? Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> So we've we've done so many events with Bartender Atlas as well, where brands are just happy to work with us. We get uh, we get good engagement generally when we when we do events, and so mm-hmm. I think that when we approach people about doing Toronto Cocktail Conference, brands generally, I mean, obviously everyone has questions, everyone wants to make sure they're represented properly, but everyone has also been very excited to work about work with it and have been you know, pretty, pretty pumped about Toronto, people in Toronto organizing uh, a cocktail conference like this. So awesome. yeah, our and like, it's, it's been shockingly easy working with the brands <laughs> on Toronto cocktail conference. It's really great. Everyone's very supportive. Um, it's also nice that um, we have a lot of the, you know, a lot of the big guys, Absolute is doing a lot of stuff with us this year. Uh-huh. Jack Daniels is doing a lot of stuff with us this year, but also we, we have tasting stations that we organize for the conference as well that involves smaller, you know, little guys, little distributors, little distilleries, local people, so that um, if, you know, there are brands, again, because Canada isn't huge, even some global brands have smaller distributors here Uh in Canada, uh, and so they don't don't have, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to spend on activations all the time during the year. And so with Toronto Cocktail Conference, we wanted to make sure that we had space for, for those guys too the people that don't necessarily have a huge marketing budget or a brand ambassador and make sure that, you know, in some cases it's the person who distilled the spirit standing at the tasting station, yeah. telling you about the spirit, you know, trying to, trying to make sure that it's open and everyone gets an opportunity to, to taste everything. Which is really cool. Cause I know that uh, Christine Sismondo and Stephen Beaumont have just about to put out a craft spirit book. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I know I'm interviewing those guys while we're at the, the cocktail conference. Yeah, um, we yeah they're they're doing a whole talk about craft spirits across Canada, which is one of those jobs that I'm sure at first when it was hey do you guys want to visit every craft distiller in Canada and write a book about it they were like yeah I can drink for six months and I'm yeah. willing to bet that six weeks in they were just like oh another distillery oh yeah, boy another vodka another gin another <laughs> yeah. vodka another gin but it, yeah. it's also great to have people like Stephen Beaumont and Christine Sismondo who are such dedicated writers that yeah. they they did it. And I'm sure that book is going to be amazing. And honestly, if anyone listening hasn't seen either of them speak before, it's it's an experience. Uh, oh. Both of them are just so entertaining and engaging. Yeah, it's going to be a, a super animated seminar, that one. Mm-hmm. So what's the before we, we sort of tie this off, because... Uh, I like to try and keep them relatively around for half an hour, but this is really interesting. What is the one thing you learned from last year? You got last year's conference and organization that you perfected this year. Take more help. Um, it's, you know, uh, bartending for a million years. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, in Canada, it's a little different. And even though we do have bar backs, depending on the venue, you get pretty used to doing everything yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, ice machine breaks, you take your shirt off, you climb under the ice machine yep. and figure out what's wrong with it. Uh, last year, the four of us that organized it, we had four trash pandas. Uh, our friend Steve Casey came, came up from uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and she sort of handled uh, registration for us the whole time. And then we had uh, three, two guys from Toronto and one guy from Saskatoon sort of running around, help us monitor all the seminars, you know, batching cocktails and 
all that. Uh, so this year, one of the first decisions that we made were that we were going to have 10 trash pandas. Uh, trash pandas, for anyone <laughs> listening, that has maybe been to, like, in Thirst, uh, in Boston for Thirst, they're called scholars, you know, at, at Tales, it's caps. Um, yeah. Everyone everyone sort of has a different, uh, I, I don't like the word volunteer, but a different group of extra helping hands uh, for the, you know, Team Taco and San Antonio yeah. and that kind of thing. So in Toronto, we have trash pandas, which is a reference <laughs> to our adorable raccoons that will get into everything. Anyway, this year we have 10 trash pandas, so we have extra sets of hands, because last year what happened was Gord and John and Jess and I just ended up running around the Drake Hotel and the Gladstone as well, the hotel down the street that's also hosting some of the seminars. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there was days where we were putting in 40,000 steps, um, which for a hosting a conference where there's a bunch of seminars about health and wellness in the industry, yeah. we really didn't look after ourselves for those few <laughs> days. Uh, so this year we, we, we got the extra help. Um, so we have, we have a whole team of people from all over Canada, uh, coming to help us out. Uh, and, and, you know, they get to see seminars. They're going to get a, a little, a couple special treats as well. But, uh, yeah, asking for the extra help and knowing when you're at your limit. I think that's something that we took away from the first year of talk. That's amazing. And have you, yeah. uh, completely, have we, have you completely sold out now? Not quite, no. There are still tickets for sale. We we added an extra 100 tickets this year. Wow. Uh, last last year, in our first year, we sold out 10 days beforehand. Um, and, and, you know, it was 300 tickets last year that we sold. Uh, and 300 people is a, a lot of people, but not an insane amount. Again, we want to keep it so that you keep seeing everyone's faces, right? Yeah. Uh, this year, though, because we sold out 10 days ahead of time and we did get a lot of uh, emails, especially in those 10 days, text messages from friends are just like, uh, I fucked up. Um, <laughs> which, you know, which is both like, it's funny and flattering and also kind of like, yeah, man, you fucked up. You should have bought a ticket. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Everything is last minute. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so this year we, you know, we've expanded a little bit. We have 100 extra tickets for sale this year, so there are still some left. Uh, by the time this airs, uh, I don't know. I can't even make a prediction right now. I would, let, let's let's go out on a limb and say there's less than 100 tickets left by the time someone hears this. Yeah, um, that would be that would be, be a good way to be. I'm gonna. Well, actually, what was it today? I think. Oh, you know what? We have way less than that. I think there's like 80. I don't know. Anyway, there are still tickets for sale. If there's not, go to TorontoCocktailConference.ca, click on tickets, and buy them. They are 150 dollars uh, plus all you know, Eventbrite and taxes and all that. But uh, basically, for $150, there are tasting stations, and if you max out your time on everything, you can visit. Uh, I did the math earlier today. It works out that you can see nine seminars and taste something like 23 different spirits and cocktails uh, for $150. Uh, and then you're at the Drake Hotel, where there is an entire cocktail menu that Gord and John and I made last week, and that's on offer the whole time. And then there's food there as well. We were talking to some of the bars around the neighborhood this just today about different specials they're going to offer throughout talk as well. So, yeah, uh, pretty good value, 150 yeah. Canadian dollars. Anyone listening in the U.S., that's a 30% discount. Uh, anyone listening from the U.K., it's like a 48% discount. Yeah. And Singapore, that's what you pay for brunch on a Sunday. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> wow, yeah. I can't imagine. It's yeah, Asia. Asia is someplace that uh, Jess and I, with bartender Alice, we haven't really gotten to yet. But it's it's that one that keeps sort of popping up, and it's like, so when are we going to do an event in 
you know, Singapore or well, you let me know Seoul or I go yeah. back in three weeks time. Well, four, four I, weeks time straight off, straight off the COCC. I head back like the day after. Oh, wow. So, That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> for, for eight weeks. So, so, so I got a guy in Singapore is what you're saying. You got a guy in Singapore. You end with Great. three. I got three venues in Singapore to do with that too. So, whoa, I got wow. you covered. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Cool. Uh, yeah. So yeah, talk quickly coming up. Uh, yeah. it's, it's exciting. I've been going to spin class a lot to keep my cardio ready. <laughs> I've been, I've been here in the gym running four kilometers a day. So we'll be yeah. both set. We'll be both set for TOCC. Um, yeah. Okay, buddy. Well, I appreciate this. I, I was so looking forward to doing this. I'm so glad I got back to Canada to be able to have a chat with you. Um, I know I've got a couple of bartenders coming from Victoria with me, and I know the West, Coast is, the West Coast is coming out as well. So yeah. uh, you'll have a nice West Coast contingent in, in Toronto as well. Yeah, Amber Amber Bruce is coming in. Uh, Lovely. I, Amber and I never get to spend enough time together, and I'm pretty excited that she's going to be in town for a few days. Uh, yes. Yeah, there's a lot of there's there's a bunch of people from the West Coast that are coming by. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm so happy we got to talk about this. This is going to be awesome. I appreciate this, buddy. I'll um, well, I'll see you in like three and a half weeks, two and a half weeks. Two and a half weeks, yeah. Two and a half weeks. <laughs> All right, we'll okay, talk Josh. to you soon, Sean. Thanks, sir. Bye. Yeah, bye. Thanks, Bow Shifters. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, if you're listening, whatever platform you're on, give me a good rating, subscribe, listen along. Uh, I'm going to keep going. I really enjoy sitting down with people and learning where they're from, what they did, and how they got to where they were. So if you love it, give me a good five stars. If you don't, give me one and I'll try harder.